The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of June is The Majesty's Men. The Majesty's Men is a multifaceted venture for maximizing men by glorifying God together. TheMajesty'sMen.com focuses on creating content and community for men with an evangelical, reformed, and complementarian perspective on issues we face and roles we fulfill as men of God in our society. The Majesty's Men hosts the Honor God Network, which focuses on content and ministry for men of God. The Honor God Network takes the massive infrastructure and premium tools of TheMajesty'sMen.com and shares them with exemplary men of God who are faithfully, boldly, and winsomely serving others and engaging society with the gospel of Jesus Christ via their personal blogs and podcasts or other projects and ministries. The Majesty's Men then assist in the management and upkeep of the site so everyone can continue doing what they're doing with excellence. A membership on one site gives you access to all the sites in the network and many blogs, podcasts, resources, and projects, and other partner ministries that are in the works. Learn more, join in, and contribute at themajestiesmen.com. Learn more about the Honor God Network and see if you and your work may be a good fit to join by simply typing hnr.gd into your browser. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 46. We're plugging along here. We are working through a series on complementarianism, and I'm wanting to equip you on how to think about and talk about these things. A lot of buzz in the SBC world and in broader evangelicalism about complementarianism, and I'll just kind of summarize this to begin with. When men don't lead in the home, the home falls apart. When men don't lead in the church, the church falls apart. Men are needed. I want to tell you about the role of men in the church. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would help me to think clearly and articulate these things well and help me to be faithful to your word, most importantly, faithful to your word. And then for everybody that's listening, I pray they would be challenged and encouraged. And I just pray for our churches, the men across our country. God, help us to step up into the call that you have for us. And I trust, God, that you're going to help us to listen uh, to you. And I pray, God, you would help me just to be faithful in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, you are needed. Pastors, you're needed. Men in your church are needed. And the men need to know this. We live in a world that keeps telling men over and over again over the last decade, really going back decades on end, that you're not needed. But you simply are. And we know this. We know this. It's just a fact. It's all around us. But I want to talk to you about what Jesus had to say about a few things. Jesus was not a man who was bound by tradition or culture. He obeyed the Torah, and he didn't obey the Mishnah or the Talmud. He followed his heavenly father perfectly. He broke traditions, cultural norms. He talked to a woman of Samaria, for goodness sake. He really didn't care about the court of public opinion, and yet he cared about the public. In John 5, 19, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Jesus obeyed God, not man. He was not a people pleaser. Okay, He obeyed his heavenly father. And as we think about the people Jesus chose to be his apostles, I want us to be clear that this would have been controversial, and it's not just that Jesus was controversial today, but wasn't controversial then. Everything Jesus did was under scrutiny. And so just think about that. Although Jesus spent time with women, he taught women, commissioned women, later he sends out women with the Holy Spirit to be evangelists, and has specific things for women to do, which is what Jesus does. God's Word gives us both commissioning and prohibitions 
to both the male and the female. It's not like that there's just a bunch of prohibitions only for m females. We have prohibitions as well. But we have also commissions. We, we have commissions. He has specific things for women to do, but he has some specific things for men to do. And those specific things he has for men to do, he's not saying that those are for women to do. And those specific things that he has for women to do, he's not saying that men are to do. Luke 6, 12-16, Jesus chooses his disciples. He could have chosen a woman, but he didn't. God the Father wanted him to choose 12 men because Jesus obeyed his heavenly Father perfect. Connect those dots. God the Father wanted Jesus to choose 12 male apostles, all from the same region. Oh my goodness. The audacity. Could you believe Jesus did that? My goodness. That's not woke. It's not PC. But that's what the God of the universe wanted. That's what happened. That's what Jesus did. Now, God the Holy Spirit says the same thing through the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 3, chapter 1, and the Apostle-Elder connection is made by Peter in 1 Peter 5, when Peter uh, says that he is a fellow elder. So, Peter the Apostle is a fellow elder. Typically, what you'll see, like in Acts chapter 6, the Apostles devoted themselves to prayer and ministry of the Word. That's applicable to elders, okay? So, there's some connection there. 1 Timothy 3, 1, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task, he... It's gender-specific. Men are called to this work of being an elder. And it's noble, and it's good, and it's needed. And the Bible connects these two ideas, the home and the church. Men are needed in the home. Men are needed in the church. The United States government knows that when the father leaves the home, everything goes awry. You can go to fatherhood.gov or fatherhood.org, and you can look up statistics about fathers not being there. And then what happens to all the kids? When the kids are raised in a home without a father, the home literally falls apart. I mean, they're, they're more likely to, for fatal diseases. They're more likely to drop out of college, they're more likely to be incarcerated, to be to be addicts, you name, to be sexually abused, all of these things. Men are needed in the home, and men are needed in the church. I'll link into some of those things, like some PDFs and some statistics and stuff in the show notes. But when men are gone, the home falls apart. What's true in the home is true in the church. The church is the family of God. We need this connection. We see this connection in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 4, and 5. In 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, it says this, He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Incredible question. Okay? This goes together. If a man cannot manage his home, he can't manage the church. So goes the family, so goes the church. How a man takes care of his household is how a man's going to take care of the church. And if you want to tell how well a pastor is doing, by the way, take a look at his home, not first the church. And if our wives and kids aren't thriving, then something's not right. And it's eventually going to play itself out where the church is not thriving as, as well. Because those things go together. Strong men need to lead in the home and strong men, godly, Christ-like men, need to lead in the church. Now, a man who does not husband and father well eventually will fail miserably as a pastor, regardless of his gifting. Here, here's the thesis. Here's the, here's the deal. Um, all men should want to be like 1 Timothy 3 men. All men should desire to be above reproach men. Now, not all men will have the desire to be an elder, but I sure do wish more would. I mean, I, so the statistics in the SBC, I mean, the, the, the horrific article that came up from the Houston Chronicle a few months back about abuse in the SBC. The reason that happened, now this can happen in any church, in any organization, even with godly qualified elders. But the fact that that has happened in a, such a broad scale it shows that there are not strong leaders leading in the church. What it reveals is a fundamental problem with our ecclesiology. Strong leaders, male presence is not there. 
They may be physically present, but they are not spiritually present, and they are not being the men that God has called them to be. When God's men stand up and are, are humble, 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 5, men, then families are protected and the church is protected. And we need men to fight to protect the purity of the local church. So equip those. Guys, Like when, we're, when you're preaching, guys, every single man should want to be a 1 Timothy 3 man. Every man should want to be a 1 Timothy Every man should want to be a Titus chapter 1 man, without exception. We need more men who grow up wanting to be pastors, or at least want to be men of above reproach. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they are out to destroy us. And we, I mean, seriously, the world, the flesh, the devil, the enemies abound. We have to fight. We must step up. We must see the visible and invisible battles in ourselves, the homes, families, church, world. Okay, biblical men... Never throw women and children to the world, the flesh, and the devil to be eaten by wolves. Let me hear you say that again. When we start talking about these, about, uh, for instance, like soft complementarianism and women preaching or not, okay, the reason men are called to preach is because it's masculine work. It's masculine work. And biblical men never throw women and children to the flesh, the devil, and the world to be eaten by wolves. Real men fight. That's why a Paul, he, when, when he refers to pastoral ministry, he uses these metaphors, soldier, ox, athlete, farmer, because it's blue-collar, masculine work. Now, to be a pastor in most societies, okay, and to be a men of God in most societies, and in most generations, to be sure, pastoral ministry has been incredibly dangerous work. It's been a dangerous calling. And, and not just a dangerous calling with the Paul Tripp book, which was a good book, but I mean like physically dangerous. To be a pastor is to be the first in the church to die, okay? I mean, the first of the church that, that gets hunted down, grabbed, and taken by those who hate you and hate Christianity and want Christianity stomped out. To be a pastor is to be the first one burned at the stake. To be a pastor is to put yourself in harm's way for the sake of the church, if the Equality Act that Dr. White talked about last week gets put into law, it's going to be me who goes to jail before the other guys in the church. It's going to be me that goes to jail before my, my wife and my children. But we don't think about these things because we don't really suffer in America in the way that the rest of the world suffers. But this call to men in the church is a masculine call. We are, we are not called to be just a little bit physically stronger females. We are called to be distinctly male and do things that God has called us to distinctly do. Fight, protect, provide love, care for. These are things that we are to do. Stand in the way of battle. Stand in the front lines. Do not. My goodness. That's why women should not be preaching. We don't throw our ladies to the front lines of battle, where spiritual warfare is right there, front and center. We don't put them in a position that if they were in China, the Chinese government could come in and grab that lady preaching and drag her away. We don't throw our wives to the wolves. Okay, this call is a masculine call. And okay, in Acts chapter 20, it, Acts chapter 20 is such a great chapter to think about Paul's words to the elders in Ephesus. And as he's talking to these elders, it's like a crash course in masculinity. And he begins to talk to them and he says that in 26 and 27, he's innocent of the blood of all of them because he declared the whole counsel of God. We can't be scared to preach anything that's in the book. That's that was Paul. He wasn't scared to do. He wasn't scared to preach anything. He would preach it all. He wasn't ashamed of God's word. We are we won't have the liberty. In other words, and Paul didn't to uh, to say, well, there's some scriptures that are uh, profitable and other scriptures that are not profitable, or there's some that we can lean into and some that we don't need to lean into. Paul was innocent of their blood because he wasn't ashamed of the word. 
and that, I mean that James one James three one says, not many of you should become teachers because those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. The men God calls have to value God's word over the court of public opinion. And right now, this is crucial. This is the role of men in the church. Value God's word of pastors in the church. Value God's word over the court of public opinion. And then care for the church. This, again, is a masculine call. Care. Verse 28, elders are called to pay attention to yourselves. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Hey, elders, pay attention to yourself. Men, it's easy for men and elder teams and the rest of the men in the church to coast. So many elder teams have been made up of unqualified men across this country that have they're just a little more than yes men. They just get go with the flow, do this, whatever, get in line, follow the vision of the pastor, whatever that means, and just just get in line. But churches like that cannot sustain over the generations. They cannot protect the flock when they need to. They can't pay attention to the flock. So they're not paying attention to themselves. Pay attention to yourself and to the flock. Healthy elders equal healthy churches. Healthy elders equal healthy churches. And Jesus obtained this church with his own blood, the church with his own blood. There's a particular redemption verse for you. The church is precious to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit establishes caretakers of Jesus' bride. Now, in verse 29 and 30, here's what he says, fierce wolves are coming. And men don't willingly throw women to wolves. If we walk outside, okay, if we walk outside, we need to keep biblical language in our mind. How sheepish and foolish would it be? And we think about this in the discussion about gender roles and, and manhood and womanhood and all that sort of thing. So what's the language? Paul uses the word wolf. If a physical wolf was in our midst, if there was a wolf that came in the church parking lot or into the church building, would men step behind our families or in front of our families? Okay, that that's the metaphor, a wolf, a physical wolf. Well, of course, if you're a man worth a grain of salt, you step in front of your family and that wolf uh, I might die, but my family's going to be safe. And you better believe that that wolf is going to be, if he kills me, that wolf's going to be in, in rough shape. Because we fight for our families. Likewise, when spiritual wolves come, men are armed for battle. And th- this is crucial in our churches, pastors. When you're training up men, you, this is crucial. When the wolves come, men have to be armed for battle. We're not going to come out unscathed to stand with God's word. In our world today, you will not come out unscathed. We're going to be bleeding. We're going to be mocked. We're going to be told that we're naive, that we're, for instance, like this podcast series, I'm going to be told that I'm misogynistic or that I'm arrogant or racist, probably, all of these things. Okay, We're going to be told by naive people that that's not really a wolf. That's a sheep, man. You're just mean. But one of the hard things about pastoral ministry and Christian manhood is when you're fighting wolves and getting your flesh torn away as you care for God's church, you're going to have people in God's church saying, well, you're being legalistic. That's not false teaching. You're literally, literally like bleeding for them, like bleeding out from your neck and all this kind of stuff. And it's all going to come from among yourselves. Wolves in pastor's clothing, not just wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in pastor's clothing. Pastors, we have to be able to speak against Bill Johnson of Bethel. We have to be able to speak against Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland and these kinds of false teachers. We have to speak against Rachel Hollis, girl wash your face kind of stuff. We just can't leave them alone. Wolves are coming and we we have to fight. So that's the point. We have to fight. Therefore, 31 and 32 in chapter 20 of Acts, be alert. Be alert. Therefore, be 
alert. So be on the lookout. They are coming. They're coming. They're coming. Pastoral work is blue-collar work. It's masculine work. And I want to challenge you pastors to step up into the man that God is calling you to be and then train the men of your church to be the men that God is calling you to be. There is a role to play in the local church like there is a role to play at home. And God is calling his men to step up and fulfill those roles. God calls men to manhood. Act like men. He calls us from the slumber to a high, holy, dangerous calling. You're going to bleed if you answer the call. I mean, you're going to bleed. But godly men, they answer the call and they fight for their families. They fight for their church. They fight for the world, all the world, for the glory of Christ. So will we heed the call? Men, will you suffer with me? And will you call the men of your church to suffer with you? Will you believe the whole counsel of God and not be ashamed? You can open yourself up to ridicule and persecution. Come what may, step into what God is calling you to do. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.